I'm going to ask you to turn with me to James chapter 4. I'm going to look at two verses here as uh, I continue to preach periodically from the book of James. I don't do that every time we're together, but I've preached several lessons from this, this New Testament book over the past several months and will continue to do so until I get through, through the end of it. But I believe that James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 are some of the most challenging in the New Testament. And they're challenging not only from the standpoint of, of really understanding the issue that's being addressed, but also making application to my life to determine whether or not I have a problem with this. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this this week and, and studying the subject. And I've reached a conclusion, and I may or may not be correct about this, and, and this will be my, my challenging point, hopefully to arrest your attention as we, as we study these two verses. But, but the conclusion that I have reached is that the issue that James is addressing here is a problem that is almost universal among God's people. And what I mean by that is that this is an area with which we all struggle. If not continuously, at least on occasion. I think there are sins that we read about in the scriptures that if you review your life and you, you were to categorize all of the sins that you've ever committed. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> if you were to list all the sins that you've ever committed, you don't have time to do that, do you? Yeah. I know I don't. There are some that wouldn't make the list. Maybe that'll make us feel good about ourselves. There are actually some sins I haven't committed. Yay. <laughs> but I think this is one that might show up on everyone's list. And I think the reason for that is because it's common to the religious. It's common to the religious. Verse 11, James chapter 4. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Now the judgment of which he is speaking here is one that is aimed at a brother or a sister, someone that we know, or someone that we know something about. The phrase unrighteous judgment is not found in the scriptures, but I believe that's what James is writing about in this particular passage. In seeking to understand what it is that's being addressed, I want us to begin with what Jesus taught on the matter of judgment. I'm going to ask you to go with me to the Gospel of John, 
the seventh chapter, and I want you to put your eyes on verse 24. In John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus taught, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So here our Lord is speaking of righteous judgment. That phrase is there. Well, if there is a righteous judgment, I would argue that there is an unrighteous judgment as well. And it is that unrighteous judgment that is being spoken against or that is being condemned in James chapter 4. Now, if you look at the context here in John chapter 7, what is happening? Well, what you'll notice is that Jesus is dealing with a subject that he had to deal with quite often during the course of his public ministry. And in this particular case, he's speaking to them about performing a miracle on the Sabbath. He asked the question in verse 23, Are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? And then he points back to the law of Moses that spoke of the subject of, of circumcision. They would do that on the Sabbath day. They would accept that. But they would not accept Jesus making, and, and you notice here the play on words, an entire man well. Well, if you'll do a little circumcision on the Sabbath day and you accept that, here I am making an entire man well on the Sabbath day and you're condemning me. What they were doing is practicing unrighteous judgment. Now they had said that he had a demon. And that's obviously unrighteous judgment. But they were making decisions about Jesus. They were making decisions about him based on appearance from their perspective, their interpretation of the law, based on their own personal judgment, not based upon that which you would find in the Scriptures. So there are two sides to this coin. There is righteous judgment, and, and that's judgment that is actually required. It is expected of the child of God. Go to Matthew chapter 7, and you'll see that here in the teaching of Christ on the subject of judgment once more when he begins in chapter 7. This is within the body of the Sermon on the Mount. He begins verse 1, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? The, then he says in verse 5, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He doesn't say, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. Taking the speck out of the brother's eye was something that the Lord would expect. And that's going to involve judgment. You've got to look at their behavior. You compare their behavior to what the standard of judgment is, that is God's word. And if the two don't line up, there is a place. It is appropriate to address the sin that is in that brother's life. It's appropriate to remove the speck that is in his eye. And if you do it properly, that's righteous judgment. 
But if you're walking around and it's evident to everyone, you've got a bigger problem than does your brother. You've got the log sticking out of your eye. You're in no condition to address the speck that is in your brother's eye. And if you judge your brother based upon the speck that is in his eye and you fail to remove the log that is in your own, you're practicing unrighteous judgment. Now this does not argue for a complete dismissal of everything that the Bible says, for example, in the matter of church discipline. We have to make decisions about individuals' behavior. We have to make decisions about their spiritual condition. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul didn't say to just ignore the brother who was having an illicit relationship with his father's wife. He wrote to the church at Corinth and he said, you got to deal with this. Well, that's going to involve making decisions with respect to their spiritual condition. So whatever this is that's being addressed in James chapter 4, it's not righteous judgment. There is a place for that. Notice there's some, some key insights in this James chapter 4 passage. Do not speak against one another. I'm glad he wrote that first because that sheds tremendous light on the judging of the, the brother that is being addressed in this passage. That's the word that carries with it the idea of slander. You're taking information, and it's closely related to gossip. You're taking information about someone, and you're not using it correctly. And the reason you're not using it correctly isn't because whatever information is available is incorrect. It's because you have an issue. And we'll just say the issue is the log that's sticking out of your eye. It's, it's walking around with this log sticking out of your own eye and being obsessed with the little issues that you see in the lives of your brothers and your sisters in Christ. I said earlier that this is something that's maybe universal among God's people. I think we all do this. And, and, and we do it because we understand we have an obligation to judge righteous judgment. But if we're not careful and if we're not assessing our own motives and, and if, we're, if we're not seeing the, own ish, the, the issue in our life, which the log quite very well could be the evil intent. It could be the slander. It could be the, the gossip, the desire to, to do harm to someone else. Let's think about it this way. If, if you speak against someone, is it your favorite person? How many conversations do you have, maybe with your spouse or your best friend at church, how many conversations do you have with those individuals about somebody else and the conversation's negative, you're judging, but it also just happens to be your favorite person? We don't ever do that, do we? It's, it's someone who has crossed us, someone who is has done something wrong against us. Maybe it's someone who, who has done something right against us that we just didn't like. 
And so now we find it necessary to take it upon ourselves to speak against, to slander this person because we have evil intent. We have an evil motive in, in so doing. I've somewhat answered this question, but I want to dig in a little bit further. So why do we do that? Do you ever find yourself doing something? You know before you do it, it's wrong. You know why you're doing it, it's wrong. And then afterwards, you step back and you ask yourself the question, why did I do that? I knew it was wrong before I did it. I knew it was wrong while I was doing it. It's the umpteenth time that I've done this. And now I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here in this cesspool of my own sin, asking myself, why did I do that? Well, let's ask ourselves the question, why, why do we slander brothers and sisters in Christ? Why do we judge with unrighteous judgment? Why is it that we do that? Well, I think the answer is in the passage that's before us. We've already read it. Let's read it again. And after having said you, you're speaking against your brother, you're speaking against the law and you're judging the law. And if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. The reason we do it is because we're not letting the law be the judge. We're setting ourselves above the law. And it's a lot easier, isn't it, to set yourself above the law and to be a judge of the law, you're judging the law as not being able to do its work, so you take it upon yourself to do it. You're spending more time doing that than you are actually spending time doing the law. Why do we judge others? It's because we're more concerned about their problem than we are our beam, our log. We're concerned more about their speck than we are concerned about actually doing the law. And in so doing, it's an interesting concept, in so doing, we have made ourselves judges of the law. Let me give you an example of this, and I think this also points to the reason why we sometimes find ourselves doing this. An example is, is the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican in, in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. Why did Jesus tell them this parable? He told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they viewed others with contempt. Doesn't that sound like Matthew chapter 7? Doesn't that sound like the brother who has the beam in his eye He's so self-righteous, he can't see his own problem. He views others with contempt, so it's easy for him to see the little speck that is in everyone else's eye. And the reason he does that is because he's self-righteous. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and he was praying to himself. That's a key indicator too, isn't it? He's praying to himself. He's not praying to God. God's the lawgiver. God's the judge. Why don't you pray to him? <laughs> you see, this, this Pharisee had made himself a judge of the law. He wasn't recognizing that the law was the standard. He was the standard. Notice, 
God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. He made himself the standard. And we do that when we're self-righteous. And that's one of the reasons why we judge others. We judge others because we fail to obsess with being a doer of the law. We're more concerned about being a judge of the law and pointing out everybody else's problem, everybody else's issue. We slander, we speak against, we gossip. And it's because we just think too highly of ourselves. And then finally in John chapter 12, and this points directly at what James wrote over in chapter 4. In Jesus' discussion here, he states that he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. And here's something else. What we do in our minds, I can look at a person's behavior, and again, you who are spiritual, restore the weak. I have that obligation. I, I can look at a person's behavior and I have a responsibility based upon their behavior and comparison of that behavior to what the scriptures teach to go and to restore that person. But here's what I can't do. I can't mentally condemn that person to hell. Do you ever do that in your mind? Say, well, this person is going to go to hell because of the way they're behaving. Well, there's a problem with that, isn't there? There's a multitude of problems with it. Logically, how can you say that? Do you know that they're not going to repent? Do you know they're not going to change? Is there a guarantee that, that after repeated attempts, they're never going to come back to God? How can you say with certainty that they're going to go to hell? Read through the epistles read through the book of Acts, look at the preaching of Paul, look at the preaching of the apostles. Did they ever do that? Did they ever once say of a person with certainty, you're going to hell? Is there ever anything that they wrote that would indicate that that thought was in their mind? There isn't. There's no evidence for that. And again, there's a fine line, isn't there? between determining that a person's behavior in the absence of repentance, I can do that. In the absence of repentance, they're going to be lost. Another problem with it is I write them off. If in my mind, they're already in hell. I don't even want to get close to them because I can smell the fire. <laughs> then I'm going to stop trying. And I realize there's a point in time at which you, you stop casting your pearls before swine. Jesus addressed that in Matthew chapter 7 as well. And it requires prayer to make these decisions. But as long as there is time and opportunity, I can't make that decision. The other reason I can't make that decision is because it's not my job. It's not my job. It's not my decision to make. There is one lawgiver... And there is one judge. And it's not me. It's not you. So that's a problem. So why do we judge others? I think if we just take some time to consider that question, we can come up with these answers, and we may come up with more. But let's get to a, a, a solution.
What are the keys to change? How can I pull myself out of this? Well, as we've already seen, James writes that you have made yourself a judge of the law and not a doer of the law. I just need to get busy doing the law. I just need to get busy learning what the Scriptures teach and then doing what the Scriptures teach, which would include, as I develop maturity, going to the weak, encouraging the weak, teaching them, admonishing them. And here, here's another thought. The Bible never says, it, it does say, to teach, to rebuke, to admonish, to encourage. Does it ever say condemn? Never does, does it? We're always working. If we're doers of the law, then our work is to bring them back. It's not to put one foot in hell. So one of the keys is to just get busy being a doer of the law. Notice also in 1 Peter, the, the second chapter, where Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now that's being a doer of the law. But look at the last one. Slander. And notice how these tend to work in sync. Malice, evil intent, deceit, saying things with an evil motive, hypocrisy, holding myself out to be one thing when I'm something else, envy, that's another reason why we judge people sometimes. We, we, we envy them. So it's hard for us to say good things about them. We want to envy. We want to slander. Put those things aside. That's a part of being a doer. And then like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respect to salvation. I can't be a doer of that which I do not know. So if I'm going to be a doer of the word, if I'm going to change and pull myself out of this problem, then I need to just focus on learning the word and then I need to focus on doing the word. In Matthew chapter 7, another key to change, and this is a statement that Jesus made within that same context that we looked at earlier about judging others. Jesus ended that portion of the discussion with this statement. Matthew 7, verse 12, And everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Do you want others to mentally condemn you to hell? Do you want others to judge you with unrighteous judgment? Or do you want others to seek to restore you if you're in a state of rebellion with respect to to God's word. That's the golden rule. Practice the golden rule and then we'll be less guilty of unrighteous. In fact, we can eliminate unrighteous judgment from our lives if we will focus on these things. And then the other passage that comes to mind, which I think is closely connected to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, is Jesus teaching on the greatest commandment. He said that the first is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. You remember the question that James asked in, in James chapter 4 and verse 12? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Just love your neighbor. Do what is in their best interest. And then he uses that same idea that he used in Matthew chapter 7 verse 12. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. 
Stop being a judge of the law. Start being a doer of the law. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then in Romans chapter 14, another key to change, and, and Paul is writing about differences that existed among brothers and sisters in Christ. He was writing about improper attitudes that one might take toward, toward another. And he asked the question in verse 10, Romans chapter 14, why do you judge your brother? It's the same question that uh, James asked. Are you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? Remember the Pharisee and the publican? He looked down on the tax collector. He viewed others with contempt. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. To who? To God. And then he says in verse 13, here's what we need to be concerned about. Stop judging. Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. You live in such a way as to clear a path for them to have. Don't put a stumbling block before them. You be the right example. You be the good example. And you encourage and you build up. And you help them to, to be the person that, that you know God wants them to be. Last verse, Jude, verse 9. As we think once more about what's important, rather than mentally putting a person in hell, let's be like Michael. Let's be like Mike. Michael the archangel. Verse 9, Jude, verse 9. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil, the argument with evil cannot get any higher than that. And argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment. I think Michael knew where Satan was going to be. <laughs> I mean, God prepared hell for Satan and his angels. And even with that absolute certainty, he did not pronounce a railing judgment against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. You see, Michael knew who was in charge. He stayed in his lane. He didn't get out of his lane. He gives us an example of what it means to judge righteous judgment and to not be guilty of the sin, yes, the sin of unrighteous judgment. I'm going to be struggling with this one till the day I die. I think I'm getting it as far as my understanding, but I'm going to keep studying it because it's an important matter and there's two sides to that coin, as I said earlier. But I also want to make sure that, that I, I don't put myself in that position because I see all the problems. I see all the problems that it, that it can create for me and that it can create in my relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. There are so many positive scriptures, one another scriptures. This is a negative, a negative one. Do not speak against one another.
Let's think about these things. Let's go to God in prayer.